So, join me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, as we're taking time to celebrate Christmas, you coming down to be with us, a reminder of all the brokenness that you were there, be with us now as we just talk about what does that mean for this season? What does this mean for us? And how do we share that with others? Be with us now. Amen. Well, today we're doing something special we do every couple of weeks here at South Lake. It's a Q&A. And the focus this week is talking about Christmas. And so before we start, how this works is, if you got a question, raise your hand. We'll talk through it as best we can. And I'm, what I'm doing right now, so Simon can keep track. I'm setting a timer for 20 minutes, so that way I can't go on too many tangents. <laughs> too many. And we're just here together to talk about why do we celebrate Christmas. And I promise by the end of the sermon we'll discuss our reading, because boy was that a doozy. So we'll talk about that. Does anybody have any questions to start off? Why do we celebrate Christmas? What's going on? Seth? Um, does giving gifts take away from the true meaning of Christmas? Ooh, does giving gifts take away from the true meaning of Christmas? Great question. JP, don't be fist bumping them. So, yeah. So it actually comes down to why do we even celebrate Christmas to begin with? So the whole point of Christmas is to really celebrate the birth of Jesus which actually did not happen on the 25th. Just to full throw it out there, anybody know when people really gave gifts to celebrate Jesus? Uh, if you're from a land country, you might know about this because it's a special holiday. The 6th, Three Kings Day, which is also Epiphany, which is January 6th. So that used to be the time where Christians would gather together to celebrate Jesus and also give presents. That has now, throughout the church, been changed to the 25th, in our culture, to celebrate presents, but that's how that's always been a part of it. And the idea is a reminder of the wise men and who they are, which I know there's some questions coming about the wise men, but that's where we give gifts. But the question becomes, does that take away from what the whole point of Christmas is? And the problem has been, in our culture, it's all about spending money. In fact, we just watched the Muppets Christmas Carol, and I love this beginning with, um, uh, with Scrooge, uh, one of my favorite actors there, uh, Michael, Michael Caine, as he's doing it, he goes, you know, uh, people love spending so much money on Christmas, they can't pay their debts, and for us money lenders, it's harvest season. And what happens is, is that people spend so much money worrying about the gifts that they forget the ultimate gift in Jesus. So do gifts take away from Jesus? They're actually supposed to help it. But in our culture and today, the need to buy gifts, especially for those family members that you wish you didn't really know, or you have to give them something. Yeah, it can, unfortunately. But the idea of giving gifts was actually was to celebrate the gift that God gave us through Jesus. So that's a great question. Way to look out for me on that one. What other questions? Oh, Calvin in the back. Ooh. So, so I might have had some like, things up my sleeve to talk about. That actually was one of those questions. So thank you for asking. So the question had to become, if in Boston, really, in the early settlements of our country, Christmas was banned. You actually couldn't celebrate that. Now, if you remember, a lot of our settlements are from Puritans and other people seeking religious freedom. 
But in, in those days, religious freedom meant Christians were not Christians of the Anglican Church. So there were Catholics that came over in the, actually for free, freedom of religion. And those settlements banned Christmas. That's absolutely right. In fact, America, when it was first starting out, Christmas really wasn't celebrated, except for places where you could find Catholics and German Lutherans. Let's just say they know how to party. And the reason for that is because there was a lot of drinking and celebrating, so people would ban it because people caused too many problems and havoc. Kind of goes back to the uh, question about the presents. Uh, the other question that Calvin brought up, with not thinking about it, is, well, it's on a pagan holiday. So the first question we probably all of us ask, is Christmas the actual birth date of Jesus? What's the answer? We don't know is actually the better answer. Now, I would have said no for the longest time myself, and I'll explain what's going on. So, as far as the pagan holiday... The 25th, in about 200-something A.D., the emperor made that the day of the conquering sun. So they made a special day on the 25th. And the reason for this is that in Rome, between the 17th and the 23rd, they would celebrate the winter solstice. And people would give gifts to one another, have reefs and mistletoe. See, there's some themes here. But it was from the 17th to the 23rd. And the idea behind this, like many cultures, is that the winter solstice is the darkest day of the year. And how people would celebrate that or ask the sun god to come back is they would celebrate and do festivals during this time period. Rome was definitely no exception in this. They had all kinds of parties. They didn't actually have a party on the 25th. Not until the 200s AD did they actually create a day on the 25th to celebrate the unconquering sun. So the question becomes, why the 25th all of a sudden? Well, one of, the th- one of the things out here is that Christians have been celebrating the birth of Jesus around the 25th, as an ancient church. We're talking the early, early church. And this is some stuff I've been reading up now, and so this is new things to me too. And so there's a good chance that the reason why the 25th was created as a pagan holiday was try to overcome the Christians celebrating Jesus' birth. Again, does that mean Jesus' birth is the 25th? It doesn't. But it means that Christians have actually been celebrating Jesus' birth almost from the very beginning around this time. So how about the 25th? Well, what's interesting is the Gospel of Luke. So last week we read the Christmas story, the Nativity story, which comes from Luke chapter 2. And Luke gives us a lot of information in dates. He talks about a governor. He talks about Caesar. And we know there's a king named King Herod. That's around 6 B.C., give or take. Another facts of information he gives us, I'll explain that in a second. Rick's already smiling. uh, Is the fact that, well, wait a second. Who else is written in Luke whose birth in time? Anybody remember that? Before Jesus, in the Gospel of Luke, who else is written about? John, John the Baptist. And Luke gives us a lot of details about his father when his father served in the temple. And get this, the Jewish people took that really seriously. How about that? Which means all their families had a certain time they served. Which means we have an idea when John's, John the Baptist's father served as in the temple. 
So we take all that information, when Elizabeth was, giving, uh, was pregnant, when Mary uh, came to see her while she was with child, December actually looks like a pretty good date now, using the things that Luke uh, uses here. Again, does that mean I believe for sure that Jesus was born on the 25th? No. But does it give credence that this could possibly be a time where he was actually born? Yeah, a lot more than I realized. So the best answer was Jesus born on December 25th is, I don't know. But we take time because of the gift God gave us, which is the whole point of this holiday for who he is. But that's some of the history and background of the 25th and Christmas. So Calvin, we got three questions out of that one, so thank you. Any other questions or thoughts about Christmas? In myrrh. All right. So first off, next week, for those who are watching, we'll be actually be talking about Epiphany and the wise men. So please come back for more of this answer. But to answer that question, uh, the wise men bring gold, in, uh, frankincense, and myrrh. These uh, frankincense and myrrh are resins and powders. They're uh, aromic. Frankincense and gold are typically given to kings. So if you're going to see a king, they give an offering to him. Gold and frankincense are two good options to bring, and they brought two of them. They brought both of them. Gold and uh, frankincense are also used for sacrifice to give up to God, to a God. So it's really interesting that the wise men brought gold and frankincense. There's also this thing called myrrh, which our translations do our best to call it myrrh. It's a powder, it's a resin. Anybody here know what it's used for? This is really interesting. Yeah, but yes, so myrrh is actually something people use to embalm people. In, in fact, it talks about how the women went to go see Jesus. Guess one of the things they brought with them? Myrrh. So I don't know about you, that's kind of telling for our story and the biblical understanding who Jesus is and what's going to happen, that uh, to celebrate that he's come to earth, he's given two presents that really symbolize king, a god, some of royalty or some of respect, but that third gift also brings mortality. A reminder that there's a death with this life. So those are the three, uh, three things that the wise men brought that's really interesting. So I've enjoyed looking up that up. Oh, oh, Simon. Yes. Oh, so next week, for those who are watching, we're going to be... Uh, <laughs> what to be a team player. Uh, We'll be at actually Gloria Day's Chapel, 10, uh, 10.30, so normal time. We'll be at Gloria Day next week, because actually we can't worship here, because there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. So we get to be of one church, multiple campuses under one roof, celebrating. So we're going to be excited. All right, somebody's getting volunteered a question. Yeah. Ooh, why are the wise men called wise men? That's a good question, because the answer is they're not called wise men. Who? They're kings? Who says they're kings? Mariana's like, they're kings. Yeah, we three kings. So what they're actually called are magi. So I don't like to say, well, well, the Greek says this and English says this and try to compare them. But this is one of the few times where it's interesting. The Greek that Luke is writing in us calls them magi. Anybody know a word that's longer than four letters that starts with M-A-G-I in our language? 
magicians. That's right. Uh, so magi are more magicians, sorcerers, that kind of thought process between the word than kings and wise men. So why do they show up to see Jesus? What did they tell Herod? Anybody, we'll talk about this more last, uh, next week, but what did they see? A star, yeah, which we just sang in Noel, Noel, right? Well, the, from that, so now I'm using the star. Traditionally, what we think the wise men, the magi, were astronomers, probably actually in astrology, and they saw something in the sky that pointed that there's a king on earth. If you've seen the movie The Nativity that came out a couple years ago, I think they make it, it's Jupiter is what they saw. And what this is important, I said earlier that Jesus was probably born around 6 BC, give or take a year or two, is one of the clearest sightings in that sky during that time period was Jupiter. So some people think it might have been Jupiter what they saw. Do we actually know? We don't. But these astrologers who are practicing astronomy see a sign that there's a king and they go. What's interesting, though, is they kind of knew to go to Judea. They kind of knew to go to Israel. I don't know if they're believers in God, but why would they know about a Hebrew God? This is like extra biblical knowledge right here. Why would people in the East know about a biblical Hebrew God? And then you might do something in the sky. So there's this thing called an exile where God's people were in Babylon. So there's a good chance a remnant of those people, the teachings and touching, uh, teachings, everything came from out there. These magi hear about it. They see something in the stars. And they're like, wait, something's going on. And they travel to Jerusalem to find out more. Now, here's the fun one. The one, if you want to watch me get aggravated during Christmas, is see a nativity scene that has three wise men. Why? It's from our reading today. When was Jesus born compared to the wise men, give or take? Hmm? About, so, about two years. And the reason I have to use the word about is we don't know for sure, but one, it takes time between when Jesus is born and the star for them then to come see him. But in our reading today, Herod gives out an order, and he says to kill people, because he doesn't want any kings, what's the ages? Zero to two. So, we give or, so give or take, about two years is what we think the wise men. Could have been one year and here was just trying to save bets, maybe. But it wasn't the night of Jesus' birth that the wise men show up. So those are some important questions there. But yes, so the wise men are called wise men because saying magician and magi scares people. So they use the word wise. But really, they're astrologers. Maybe better, maybe of astronomy. But that's why we use the word wise, but really it's magi. That's what it actually says there. So thank you for asking that question. We've got, oh, we got another six minutes. Any other questions or thoughts about Christmas? None? Ooh. So the question becomes, now that's, yeah, because if you read um, Jesus Christ Superstar, there's some confusion in that movie about when is or is Jesus. Uh, so when is Jesus God? So we believe, and when Scripture makes a point, that God came down to be with us. The Messiah came to earth, which means at Jesus' birth, he is God. 
He's also man. Now, how do you explain that? There's ways to argue it, to understand it completely. We can't, because it doesn't make no sense. So, from the very get-go, from our understanding and belief, Jesus was God uh, before his birth, at his birth, after his birth. He's God. How many people understood it? Well, we know the shepherds were told by the angels to go praise him. Did Mary and Joseph fully understand it? I don't think so. I really don't. And we kind of talked about this with Mary because with Mary, she knew God was doing something through her. There was this Messiah. But then when Jesus is older in his ministry, guess who's the one who sends his brothers off to bring him back because they thought he was nuts? Mary. Uh, another question with this, how did Joseph react? Because one of the questions I've been asked is through this series, we talked about Joseph a couple weeks ago. Joseph wanted to divorce Mary because of this pregnancy. Now, let's think about that in today's day and age. When you get engaged with somebody, if you're going to break it off, you just, you break it off. But in their culture, if you break off a marriage before an official wedding night, it still takes a divorce. It's that kind of attitude. Once you engage with somebody, you guys are connected. And so Joseph, with the scandal of having his fiancée betrothed pregnant and not his, decided that I probably should separate myself from her. Now, it says that being a good man, he tried to do it quietly. But here's the thing. In that culture, if a woman who's pregnant is divorced from her husband, not married, that's a scandal. Publicly, privately, no matter what, this is not looking good for Mary. And that was the decision that Joseph was going to do, was separate from it. Yet, who shows up to talk with Joseph about it? Anybody remember? An angel, which we believe is Gabriel. And he shared with them that, no, this is God's plan, and you're being asked to lead and support your family. So, Joseph then leads, not because he can handle it, because God said, I am with you, I'm a part of this, and he does. All right, one last question. Ooh, St. Nick. So, how I'm going to answer this, I'm going to stop, pause the timer. Sorry, Simon. Uh, no, so St. Nicholas lived, St. Nicholas was a person in fact, our understanding of who St. Nicholas is comes from three different individuals that lay claim to St. Nicholas. And the one who has the best story, or we, who believable who we think St. Nicholas is, was in Asia Minor. So think Turkey, for those who can think geography. Just no, no but north of where Jesus was born. During like th- uh, Three Kings Day, because remember January 6th is when they used to give presents in all Christian Christianity. He would go around and make sure all the poor and the orphans received gifts. That they could feel that cheer and know there's a God that loves them and cares for them. So that's the story of St. Nicholas. And we celebrate that still of Christmas. And that's as far as I'm going on that one. And then leads me back to our reading today. So that was a tough reading, wasn't it? The idea that a whole bunch of babies and young toddlers were uh, executed by a king. And the reason why I use that for our reading today is, one, most churches don't really read that. But I also realized in our holiday season together, we really didn't touch on the fact that Christmas for many, and probably for some of you here, is a difficult time. You think about your loved ones. You think about those who've gone before you. 
Or maybe there's problems with your family. Maybe you don't have the money to buy gifts. Maybe you're struggling with finances. And this uh, question that got brought up was, was Jesus born in a cave, a stable, or a house? And the answer was stable. And the better answer is yes. <laughs> so good Lutheran answer. We normally say yes or we don't know. This is a yes one. And so the reason why is because, one, he's born with animals, so stable works, right? But then a cave, well, how does that work? Well, Jewish homes have what they build and dig in, make a cave for as a seller, but also for their family animals to stay, all right? And so the cave makes sense. The fun thing, again, the Greek English, it says there is no room for an inn, right? There was no room from the inn, so they uh, was born in a manger, right? We all know that. In fact, in the Christmas pageant, there's a little uh, innkeeper, right, who says, no vacancy, and have to go and find some place. Well, actually, a better word is guest room. It's the same word used for the Last Supper. And I make an argument, a guest room sounds better. So what that means is, from our, my understanding of reading it, is that when Mary and Joseph come to town, right, because Joseph is up from David, Everybody's coming for this registry. There's all kinds of family in town. And in the Middle East, you take care of family. So I'd say down in Texas, we believe that too. Which means is if the long-lost cousin shows up, do you have the long-lost cousin and his pregnant wife go on the street, or do you invite them into your home? You invite them in. I really believe that they were invited in. But the issue was, in the house they were in, somebody else was in the guest room which means guess where they got? The only other room, which is over by the animals. Hence, making the point, there's no room in the inn. And so I believe they were born in a cave, which was used as a stable for the family pets, for the goats and the lambs, and that's where they were born. That's my interpretation. The church and nativity, that's actually their understanding of where it's from. I got fun pictures. That's more of a piece and cues, but that's a great question to ask. So the wooden stable that we have, that's probably more uh, historical. So, all right. Uh, I would love to talk more after service. Got more questions.